John the Apostle says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. May God bless his word. Please bow with me in prayer. Our God in heaven, we're so very grateful for your blessing today and for your provision. And we, are, we, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to pray uh, for one another. And uh, I want to lift up Ethan Ellis to you and ask you to continue to help him and strengthen him in his rehabilitation and give grace. We pray, Father, we would see continual miracles knowing and just answers to prayer. We lift him up to you. I lift up Josh Noble to you, Father, and thank you for uh, what he's doing right now, the very work that he's involved in, and I pray that you'd bless him and prosper him, give him great opportunities to represent our Savior, and we thank you for him. Lord, we pray that you'd bless your word. Pray, Father, that souls would be saved, that the light of the glorious gospel of Christ would shine into hearts. Father, I pray that we would be a lighthouse continually to this community. And by that, Father, that that people would see the light. Their eyes would be illuminated to the truths of the gospel and that many would embrace gospel truths. What a blessing, Father. We ask your blessing on every aspect of today and especially Uh, this message, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, Revelation 20. um, We've taken a break for a few weeks. Um, We've been doing, uh, just to remind you, we are in a series uh, on the um, God's justice system. And uh, the last time, the last message that that I was in this series was on June 12th. And today is what, almost a month later, right? Remember we had our anniversary, that took two, two Sundays to do that. We had Father's Day, so we've taken a few weeks off. But uh, we are talking about God's justice system. And uh, on um, June 12th, the message was the supreme judgment. And we're continuing that today because uh, the Bible says a lot about judgment we had a, a prison ministry um, in our, through our church for many years. First beginning at Chester County Prison for three years on a monthly basis. And then the Lord opened a door at Delaware County Prison for nine years. Every Monday night, we had the opportunity to go. And um, it was there that I became even more acquainted with our justice system, particularly how our government deals with uh, criminals. And over those years... As I got to walk with and, and get to know 
people that have been incarcerated in our county. Uh, it took a while, but I began to realize that our system is really set up in some ways parallel to God's system uh, in this way, in that if you commit a crime, first you are detained, arrested, and if it's a serious crime where there's going to be charges, then you are put into a temporary prison system, jail, uh, which would be our county jail, would be George W. Hill Correctional Facility. It's huge, it's massive, um, and technically it is, uh, they tell me it's a jail, not a prison, but, um, but here's what, what happens. Everyone that goes there, most everyone, is there just awaiting trial. So they've done something where the charges are serious enough that you're going to be held at this prison, you know, until your court date. And so most of the guys that we ministered to, in fact, all the guys that we ministered to have been arrested and were then waiting for their trial. And uh, so I got to know a lot of guys, a lot of people in our area accused of various things awaiting their trial. And, you know, just a, a hundred scenarios as they would anticipate some of them I'd, uh, that we got to know a little more. I would go to a couple court dates with them and uh, got to know a lot. It's, the, the, our system is an, an amazing thing. It is an amazing thing. And I'm, I'm grateful that we have a criminal justice system. I really am. It's not perfect. But it's interesting. It was interesting to hear uh, the, the inmates, the prisoners' perspective regarding the trial. The big thing was the trial coming up. And uh, I learned a lot about the difference between a judge trial and a jury trial. And that makes a big difference. And Just a fascinating thing. And it dawned on me after a while doing this that, you know, this is a lot like when somebody dies, it's like God's criminal justice system. When somebody dies, they go to a, they went to a, they go to a temporary place. Hell. Hades. If, if they are going to be charged with a serious crime, a serious crime against God, they go immediately to hell. Luke 16 is an example of somebody that died and immediately opened his eyes being in torments. Luke 16. But that's not the end. You see, they are just there awaiting their court date. And then someday, in fact, here we are, if you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 20, because this is the court date where many, many people will stand before God. And this is where they will be sentenced, and then they will be sent upstate. That's the way it is here, you know. In other words, you go to the local prison, you have your trial, and if you're convicted... Then they send you upstate. and that, In other words, then you go to, you know, it's usually Greaterford, and then your final place where you will do your time. And there's places all across Pennsylvania uh, where they will be sentenced, and that's where they will do their time. Well, God's prison justice system is similar. Again, you, you are detained when you die. You are held into a temporary place called hell, awaiting your court date. So we're going to talk this morning about that court date. And by the way, not everybody is going to be 
is going to have this appointment. Not everybody. But I want to tell you folks, multitudes are going to be here. And, and this, if I can say folks, this is going to be the most terrifying day of all eternity. For, for many people. And it's called the Great White Throne Judgment. So we're going to talk about that today. Uh, we find the information about it in Revelation chapter 20. Um, do you know, let's just talk for a minute about judgment, since that's what we began with about a month ago. Do you know that in Webster's first dictionary, there are 17 definitions of the word judgment? 17! Uh, the first one is, is simply, uh, the, it's defined this way, the faculty of m- the mind by which man is enabled to compare ideas and ascertain the relations of terms and propositions as a man of clear judgment or sound judgment. So, in other words, it's the ability. The word judge literally means to be able to discern and separate. So, you and I do, we judge every day. Do you realize that? Say, I'm not a judging person. Oh, yes, you are. You say, Pastor, you're so, so mean. No, you don't understand. When we're talking about judging, we're talking about looking at things and making decisions about them, being able to separate and right and wrong. And you and I do that every day, if you'd be honest. You and I judge every day. Do we not? All the things that come to our attention, situations that happen, are you not making moral judgments throughout the day? Uh, To be honest, aren't you? Aren't you hearing about things And have you ever said this? That's not right. You ever say that? About somebody, you're presented a scenario about what something did or what someone said, and and immediately you were rankled by it, and you thought, well, that's just not right. Do you know that every day, all across the globe, throughout the day, people are articulating a need for justice, even if they don't know it. Every time you and I pronounce a moral decision on something by saying, that's right, that's wrong. Every time you and I observe something that is an an injustice, even if it's just a perceived injustice, every time and throughout the day, you and I are uttering things like, they shouldn't be allowed to do that, or there needs to be consequences, or that's just not right. Every single day, you and I are calling for justice. Even the unbeliever. You get to know someone. Everybody has an opinion. Some people are pretty, pretty dogmatic and they spend a lot of time censoring everyone else, don't they? Oh, this guy's a jerk because of this. And they're pronouncing judgments. They're, they're calling for justice. They're saying, this is wrong and they shouldn't be getting away with it. You know the Bible, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 37, By thy words shalt thou be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. When I see Judgment Day, and I read the interactions of what's given to us in the Scriptures, I am very aware that people's own words will come back 
not, not everyone, but in this day particularly, on, during the great white throne judgment, people's words are going to come back to haunt them, as it were. All the times you have expressed censor. Every, all the times you and I have condemned things in our mind about what's right and wrong, and it's going on, it goes on all the time today. Some people are protesting things that they, you know, see as an injustice. But you know what's interesting about that? Most people spend so much time calling for justice for others, but not themselves. We get riled up at the things that go on that are allowed to be left unchecked. And we'll say, how can they get away with that? That's just not right. But do we say that about ourselves? Do we censure ourselves? Or do we too many times justify ourselves and give excuses of why we do things? See, I'm convinced that all God needs to do is replay the video of someone's life or even the audio, you know, every idle word that men shall speak. And our own words can come back to haunt us. Because you and I often, just like David did, remember David when, when he was presented this scenario with, of Jonathan? It was a hypothetical scenario, but he didn't know that, of the man that took the sheep, of the, of the neighbor, and he was so incensed, and he pronounced harsh judgment. We do that kind of thing all the time. Giving our opinion about things the way we see them. We sit on the judgment throne of our own lives Calling out decisions all the time. That's wrong. That shouldn't happen. And I'm convinced on Judgment Day that all God needs to do is play back our own words and then show us how our own actions violated our own statements. Who is free of hypocrisy? Problem is we don't realize it. In fact, James chapter or Romans chapter two, Paul was speaking to the hypocrite. And he said, does thou say thou shalt not commit adultery, and yet you commit adultery? In other words, and when you go on with that, we will pronounce vexations on certain things, but when it comes to our hearts, sometimes you and I are guilty of the very thing that we condemn. So, by the way, Noah Webster, 17 definitions of judgment. And by the way, the, the majority of his original dictionary had scriptures to go with most of them. I looked at my recent Webster's Dictionary. There's only six definitions. No scripture. One mentions God, at least. But, uh, you know, there have been some revision going on. But listen, to the last definition of Noah Webster's definition of judgment. It's definition number 17. By the way, you're not going to find that in your Webster's Ninth New Collegiate Dictionary or whatever you have. Here's the 17th definition of judgment. The final trial of the human race. When God will decide the fate of every individual and award sentence according to justice. And folks, that's what's going to happen on Judgment Day. The great white throne judgment. Jesus talked about judgment in John chapter 5. You don't need to turn there. He said that, um, marvel not 
The hour is coming, which all that are in the graves shall hear His voice, and some shall come forth. There's going to be two resurrections. He says the resurrection of life and the resurrection of damnation. It's that second one we're going to talk about. The other one we're going to talk about uh, next week or whenever we get to it. I'm not sure what is coming up, but we're going to talk about the resurrection of life. But we're going to talk now about the resurrection of damnation. Three things I want to give you about the great white throne judgment. Based on this text in Revelation chapter 20, uh, we're going to see, first of all, that it is inescapable. Verse 11. John says, I saw the, the dead, small and great. Doesn't matter what your status is in life. Doesn't matter who you know. If you are going to be at this judgment, you will be there and there will be people of all stripes and all caliber. Number two, the great white throne judgment will be inclusive. And then third, it will be indefensible. See, this is the judgment that you do not want to be at. And you have a choice. If you're alive and you're listening to this message, you haven't passed yet, you have a choice. So let's talk about this judgment. Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse 11. John, By the way, John gets a vision. He's on the Isle of Patmos. And the angel tells him, you're gonna, I'm going to show you things to come. And by the way, this event... This is amazing. Folks, you and I, I don't know if you're into psychics. So you know, there's a certain, uh, people are, are enticed. Sometimes people read the horoscope because they want to know the future. Or they'll go see a psychic because they want to know something that's going to happen. Hey, forget all that. I'll tell you what's going to happen in the future. This is an event that's going to happen. God tells us this. And here's what he saw. He said, so this, this event in Revelation 20 is no laughing matter. Someday, there's going to be a whole bunch of people that are going to be standing at this throne. Most of them will probably be very, very surprised. I saw a great white throne. What is a throne? The Bible tells us a lot about thrones that in the Old Testament. It goes back to a time... When uh, posture was everything, and when they first talked about thrones, uh, it was something that set people apart from their normal seated position or lying, uh, laying down position, and it was, a, it was given to people in authority. That specifically thrones were given to people that were in authority. Solomon had a throne, and the thing about thrones is they are... They are always elevated because of the position. Solomon's throne had six steps to go up to it. It was made of gold. It might have been, must have been quite fantastic. And you've probably seen other kings or kings represented where they have a throne. And there's a certain majesty about it. A judge sits on the throne, a chair that is elevated. You go to Delaware County Courthouse. They have various ornate courtrooms and usually there's a platform where the the judge sits in on a throne that's elevated above everything else god is the supreme judge 
in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. So I want you to picture what's going to happen here on Judgment Day. There's going to be people standing before the Supreme Judge who is going to be on a throne that is lifted up. And it says, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. A throne, because of its position, and especially this throne, this judgment throne, is one where there is going to be fear because of what it represents. Now again, in the time I've had the privilege of going to the courthouses, uh, a lot of interesting scenarios. I love, love some of the courtrooms in Delaware County Courthouse. And today, I'm, there's still a tone is set. People are there that are, that are being called on the carpet to answer for their behavior. And there ought to be some fear and trepidation. And most people have it when they go there. There's some anxiety, and well, there should be. A few people seem to not care at all. And those are usually the ones that will be called out, and, and uh, you know, they end up shooting themselves in the foot. You know, either talking back to the judge or being disrespectful, and it, always, it never goes well for them. But I want you to set the scene, because even in our local courtrooms, you know, there's a, there's a waiting till the judge comes out. Sometimes that can be short. Usually it's a pretty long time when the judge gets around to whenever it is. And then before the judge comes out, the bailiff stands up and he announces, All rise. Judge so-and-so is, is entering the court. And he comes out through the back to approach his throne and everybody stands. And it just sets the scene. You're not allowed to talk when court goes on there's certain rules of etiquette you don't interrupt the judge when he's talking to you and you address him as your honor or the court there's there has to be there has to be a certain amount of respect because there's authority here and it's legitimate authority if it's not being abused god gives to us human judges to paint a picture so that we will realize, folks, there is coming a judgment day where every single person will have to give an account. And it is quite an intimidating thing. A couple years ago, there was a, um, a gal that had uh, surgery. I think it was a female thing. She had surgery and she flatlined during the surgery. But then they were able to resuscitate her. Her name was Betty Edie. Uh, and she ended up writing a book about her experience, uh, and it was called Embraced by the Light, because during that time she flatlined, she claimed that she went to heaven, and she met Jesus. And she wrote about it in this book called Embraced by the Light. And this is a couple decades old, but it was on the New York Times bestseller list. And um, she said in the book, she painted a picture of you know, that she got a tour of heaven by Jesus. And here's what she said. She said, Jesus never wanted to do or say anything that would offend me. Isn't that nice? 
In fact, one writer, <laughs> terrible, amen, brother. Uh, in fact, one writer said, Jesus seems to be relegated to the role of a happy tour guide in heaven, not the Savior of the world who died on the cross. And so she, you know, she's like, I saw Jesus, and you'll hear people say this. This Jesus would never send anyone to hell. He did not want to offend me. And it's totally removed the fact that he is judge. You know, Jesus Christ told us that the Father has given judgment into his hands. He has the authority to judge. So you know what? It's going to be a lot of people. It, again, in fact, look at, look at Revelation chapter 20. Look at verse um, 11. I saw the great, a great white throne. Him that sat on it from whose face the, he- the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. This is going to be an intimidating, very fearful experience. Because you're talking about judgment. Verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Wow. Take note of that. James is getting a vision of what's future to come. And James says, I saw the dead stand before God. Do you realize what that's saying? Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 says this. The first part, we won't argue with. Nobody would, or not few would. And it says, it is appointed unto men once to die. You know you have an appointment with death. Every one of us, God knows when our date is going to be. But the verse doesn't end there. Oh, we wish it would, some. There's, there's another phrase after it. Again, what was the verse? It is appointed unto men once to die. And then it says this. And after this. Do you know there's so many people that don't believe that, are not expecting that, and will be very surprised when they experience that. How many people more and more in our godless age are people convinced there is no God? Uh, You hear the phrase uh, when you talk about spiritual things, oh, I'm living in hell right now. And people have no concept. And they're convinced that when they die, that's it. It's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. So... Look at verse 12, Revelation 20 and verse 12. It is also, it will be inclusive. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Verse 13, the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. There's a lot of debate and a lot of popularity uh, more and more about cremation, and many people are doing it for the simply for the financial uh aspect of it but you know that a lot of people uh, are getting cremated some because they think it will eliminate any possible future resurrection or judgment but i want you to look in fact i've heard of people that um what were going to have their ashes scattered at sea because then there'd be no way that god could bring them back 
And yet, look at verse 13. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. And now, remember the whole, death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. So, in other words, remember the temporary holding place? They're going to have their appointments, so it's like Delaware County Prison. It's like, here comes the judgment day, and all the prisoners are going to be brought before the judge on the same day. And this is where they're going to be sentenced. Now, I know from having experienced and communicated with multitudes of people, as they awaited their trial, there's some anxiety. And, of course, they'd be communicating with their lawyer and seeing, you know, their lawyer could give them hope or could give them despair, depending on the case and what was coming up. And, and it would always be a big, big deal. Most of the time when we were ministering to these inmates and we asked for prayer requests, one of the biggest prayer requests was, pray for my court date. You know, that was the biggest one. Because, you know, everything, their whole future is going to be determined on that one day. They have to sit in a cell for months, some years, and then they're going to stand before the judge. And that's going to determine the rest of their life. And folks, on the judgment day, everyone that's at the great white throne judgment have something to worry about. I saw the dead. The, the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered, delivered up the dead which were in it. Now technically, in the scriptures, there's a distinction between hell and just like the county jail versus the penitentiary. Your final, where you're going to serve your term. The county jail in God's justice system is hell. The penitentiary where you serve your time is called the lake of fire. And God lays it out. This is what's going to happen. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13, the Bible talks about God as the one in whom we the one with whom we have to do. You know that brings up to my mind and and unfortunately less and less people have this experience but some of you may. I remember growing up and I was blessed to have a mom and a dad the whole time. Uh, and I my mom my my mom was a stay-at-home mom, my dad would go home to or go off to work and I remember on countless occasions there was a phrase that my mother would utter that would send chills down my spine. Wait till your father gets home. Now, you know, sadly, today, not a lot of kids, less and less kids will hear that. But I remember the fear that that instilled in me. 5.30 was when my dad got home. And if my mom had uttered that phrase that day, Wait till your father gets home. 5.30 could not come long enough. I never wanted it to get here. Because that meant something to me. That meant judgment day, you know. I remember, can I tell you my biggest crime as a child, and it wasn't when I stole the little thing from the restaurant. There was a bully in elementary school named, uh, I won't mention, his name was Bobby. I won't give you his last name. And he was one of these guys that was like a real, you know, if you looked at him wrong, like, hey, who are you looking at? I was really scared of him. And one day, I don't know if he had made a threat. I was feeling particularly vulnerable. By the way, I probably would, if I'd done this, if I was a kid now and I did today, I'd probably be doing like life. I brought a penknife to school. 
We can have a business, our next business meeting, you can decide whether you really want to keep me on as pastor after you've learned that. But I still remember bringing the penknife to school. And I showed someone and I got caught. And it was not as severe. On the school end, it was not as severe then as it would have been today. But that's when I heard my mom, one of those times where she said, you wait till your father gets home. And it put the fear of God in me. It did. Rightly so. See, folks, there's coming a day where injustice is going to be, things are going to be made right. But here's the point. Again, through this series, here's the point. So many people are charging God with allowing injustices to go on and they're, some of them are charging God foolishly. They're, they're blaming God. They're writing God off because they don't see Him instituting justice the way they think it should go. But it's all with everyone else, not with themselves. And I submit to you folks, on Judgment Day, this day, true justice is going to take place. Not just for everyone else, but for you. Revelation chapter 20 is that judgment. And I submit to you that nobody will be able to avoid it. Nobody will be able to avoid it. I mentioned a while, uh, just a short while ago about a group I watched a few. If you heard about the recent discovery of James Amabile, there was a, a man that was disappeared 19 years ago in Ridley Creek in that area. He just went off, was going to pick up the babysitter, never heard from again. Well, there's this movement going on, if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago when I mentioned this, a group of YouTubers in just a couple of years ago started out scuba divers that wanted to have a YouTube channel and they decided let's have a worthy cause that we can live for. We'll, we'll videotape everything and what we're going to do is we're going to clean up the waterways with junk that's, and they found like abandoned cars in lakes and rivers and streams and they just started pulling them out just to clean up the environment. And all of a sudden, when people found out what they were doing, they started getting calls saying, hey, you know, my loved one's missing with their car. And all of a sudden, they started finding people who had been missing with their cars, like the one in Ridley Creek just a month or two ago. And they're, uh, since 2019, they found, I think, 24 or 25 people that some of them that have been gone for a couple decades. And so these guys, it's a couple guys that just... All of a sudden now, they have a new purpose in life, and it has invigorated them. And I have to admit, it is very honorable what they're doing. It's a whole lot better than just cleaning up the waterways. I'm not an environmentalist fanatic, but I'm I'm glad they were cleaning up the waterways. But giving these families answers, and to watch it, if you get a chance, it's very touching. You know, if you've been missing your loved one, you have no idea what happened to them, and all of a sudden, that loved one is found, and you have answers, what a... That's a purpose. And so these guys are, they're invigorated and it started a whole movement and there's people that are wanting to jump on now because they want purpose in life. In fact, the group is called Adventures with Purpose. And so I've been listening to them and the whole time they're talking about it, I'm very impressed. I'm glad they're doing it. But I think, you know what? I'm living for a better purpose. I mean, I, I remember when I first heard the gospel 
and God saved me. And then I started growing under the teaching of the word. And, and God began to get hold of my heart. I realized, you know what? There is no greater... And not everybody's called to full-time ministry. But God used a verse in my life. Paul in Romans said, Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. And I realized, you know what? There is no greater thing that I could do. I wouldn't mind learning scuba diving. I wouldn't mind finding some people's loved ones that were missing. It'd be pretty cool to be able to tell someone and give them answers. You followed the... Um, what's the... the um, there's a couple from Philadelphia that have been missing... And I forget who, but they're doing that too. I'd be love, I would love to be the one that provides answers. But I imagine after a few years that they'll realize, I mean, it's, as much as that is, it's great. What shall I profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? There is no better purpose than to live and, and spend your time preaching the gospel so that people will have their eternal lives saved. There's no better cause. What a blessing to do that. Let me ask you something. Maybe God has not called you into full-time Christian service. And by the way, have you at least considered that? But if not, He still called you to win the lost, to preach the gospel. Finally, last point, I want you to go Again, Revelation chapter 20, look at verse 12. So first, we saw that it, the, the great white throne judgment will be inescapable. It will be inclusive. There will be all kinds of people there. You won't be able to buy your way out of heaven. You won't. doesn't matter from all different religions and non-religions, the rich, the poor, no matter what status, no matter what country. Folks, there's going to be people of every stripe and caliber that are going to be there. And then it says this in verse 12, in the middle of the verse, and the dead were judged. So there's a book, we won't, won't go into talking about that. There's a couple of books that are open here that are of great significance. One of them is the book of life. Verse 13, in the middle of the verse, they were judged, every man according to their works. And we see this whole thing about the book of life. Whosoever not, was not found... Written, in fact, look at, if you would, at Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The book of life is something that is mentioned throughout the scriptures. In fact, Paul wrote uh, and made it very clear that people, you could know whose names are written in the book of life. Is your name written in the book of life? In fact, it's also called... The Lamb's Book of Life. You see, anyone that comes to a point in their life where they realize that they are lost, that they cannot save themselves, that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for their sins, and that their only hope of escaping hell is that He took the punishment for them. Here's the key. The great white throne is the judge of all the world setting the record straight and and righting every wrong. So, who deserves to go there? Who deserves? In fact, if you'll notice, and this is going to be very important to make a distinction between the next judgment we talk about for believers. 
every single person that stands before the great white throne judgment has the same destiny. Every single one of them. Notice what it says. Verse 15. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Every one of them. They're all condemned. Why are they all condemned? Because justice has to take place. Justice. God has to punish sin. I close with this. It's a quote from a theologian. He says, Why do men shy away from the thought of God as a judge? Why do they feel unworthy of Him? The truth is that part of God's moral perfection is His perfection in judgment. Would a God who did not care about the difference between right and wrong be a good and admirable being? Would a God who put no distinction between the beasts of history, the Hitlers and Stalins, and his own saints, be morally praiseworthy and perfect? Moral indifference would be an imperfection in God. Not a perfection. And not, not to judge the world would be to show, would be to show moral indifference. The final proof that God is a perfect moral being, not indifferent to questions of right and wrong, is the fact that he has committed himself to judge the world. In other words, if God did not judge the world and set things right, he would not be a good judge. Right? And, and all, all we need to do is, is hear our words from the past as we've been pronouncing judgment throughout our lives on oh, this is wrong and this is wrong. Oh, that shouldn't be. Something has to happen. This person has to pay. All we need to do is hear our own words. And it will be answered on that day when God sets things straight. Now, every one of us deserves to be at that judgment. Every one of us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if we got what we deserved... That would be our fate. But as I've said before, there is another option. You see, Jesus Christ stepped forward and took the punishment that these people will experience. He literally experienced hell on the cross when He became sin for us. Isn't that an amazing thing? That God paid for your sin. So how do you and I escape? Well, we either bear the, bear the penalty ourselves or we accept what Jesus did as our payment. I don't know about you, but first of all, when I, when I first heard about that, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? Hmm, let's see. I think I'll take my chances and stand before God and uh, hope that my good outweighs my bad or you know, hope that He has a little mercy then. Or, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the full gift of the payment of Jesus Christ, who paid in full my sin, and therefore I'm going to wear His righteousness on Judgment Day. Is that not a no-brainer? Have you done that? 
Have you come to a time in your life where you acknowledged that if you got what you deserved, you'd be right here? But you cried out in God to God in repentance. You called on the Lord. And the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God saved your soul. I trust today, folks. In fact, let me, let me close with this. This is this quote from, uh, it's J.I. Packer. He goes on in the next paragraph of what I read earlier. He says, it's clear that the reality of divine judgment must have a direct effect on our view of life. If we know that re- retributive judgment faces us at the end of the road, we shall not live as otherwise we would. But it must be emphasized that the doctrine of divine judgment and particularly of the final judgment is not simply to frighten men into an outward form of conventional righteousness. It has its frightening implications for godless men, it is true. But its main thrust is a revelation of the moral character of God and an imparting of moral significance to human life. In other words, folks, there will be justice. You've been calling for it for years, your whole life. I've been calling for it again. If you would be honest and think back, all your time, there's so many times where you and I are calling on, we're calling for justice when we point out the errors and the sins of other people. And God is going to set things straight. Don't let that be a negative in your life. Accept the punishment of Jesus Christ. Be saved and you will not be at this judgment. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Father, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, your word says. And knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Father, I pray that those who snark at a message like this, those who snicker and take the Bible lightly and take religion and Christianity uh, with a grain of salt and think it is uh, all... All religion is is false. May they realize that someday they will stand before you, whether or not they believe in you or not. They will stand before you on Judgment Day. And if they have not had their sins already forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ, they will face your just fury for their own sins. Father, help us to escape the wrath to come by repenting and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Save our souls. Save the lost. Those that have yet to be born again. Those that have yet to trust in the finished work of Christ. May they be saved today. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's stand, please, and uh, take out your hymn books. and We will close in song.